I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here on The Dave Kittle Show, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We are currently speaking with owners and acquiring practices in the New York and New Jersey area. Enough about me. Today, we have a very interesting guest, a dentist and practice owner, Dr. Todd Russell. He is the CEO of Empire Dental Arts. They are, so far, nine locations, nine acquisitions, and counting in the Northeast Ohio area. Todd, good morning. Welcome on. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. I look forward to chatting with you today. Absolutely. Really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. Tell us a little bit about your your situation. So you guys have been making acquisitions since 2017. Why go this route? Why go and pursue the route of acquisitions? Yeah, great, great question. So my company, the vision of our company was was really hatched in um, 2015 or so when I had uh, sold my practice to a large group organization out of the Midwest. And things seemed to be going well. And that was good. A lot of practices, approximately 15 to 20% of dental practices are now under this uh, corporate group umbrella. And so I started joining the, joined the uh, mayhem, sold my practice, and things went well for a while. And then they started to change, as uh, it seems to be the experience with a lot of doctors who've gone through what I did. And so at that time, I connected with a friend, and we decided to launch a similar company, but with a slightly different vision. And the vision was that our doctors would become partners within the organization, whether it be by purchased equity or sweat equity. And we believed strongly in the relationship between our patients and our practitioners, recognizing that in the dental space in particular, people don't gravitate to a brand name. They gravitate to the doctor. They gravitate to the team. And so we spend a lot of our main focus of our culture is on relationship building within the corporation as well as to our patient base. Quite frankly, not many of the patients in our organization know who I am. They don't need to know who I am, but they know who their doctor is, who their hygienist is, who their front desk person is. And that's what we've really tried to leverage. The large corporate groups, they don't do that. As I've always said, I use one of the larger ones called Aspen Dental. No one ever said, go to an Aspen dentist. They're all great. Instead, it's go to my, you know, my guy, my gal, my doctor. They're great. And it tends to be regional. It tends to be local. We saw that with the company that I sold to. Management was far away, another state over, two states over. And decisions took forever. There was never any boots on the ground. And so we pride ourselves on the relationships with our teams, meaning that we are present. Management is present. Again, the patients don't necessarily see it. That runs in the background. Well, what's in the foreground is forging the relationships across the board. Excellent. And I want to just share your main website here. So if you are a private practice owner, if you're a, especially if you're a dentist, you should definitely want to check this out. Maybe you and uh, Dr. Todd should speak in the future. This is empiredentalarts.com. So this is Dr. Todd and his team, their main website. And I love, I, I always check out, I try to do as much due diligence, look, you know, research the guests as much as I can. 
And I was really, really drawn into the, the main headline here on their website. So if you're on the YouTube, you'll be able to see this. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, you could jump over to the YouTube. But their main headline here on the on the home screen above the fold before scrolling is doctor supported, patient driven, staff focused. And I really love that because when you think about whether it's us with physical therapy, if it's another niche in healthcare, if it's another business, if it's dental, this really encompasses the the three components. So it's the the doctor, the the dentist, the the healthcare provider, it's the patient and it's the team, it's the staff. And without those three, you don't really have something that can really serve a community to the fullest extent, right? That's correct. And what's really interesting about this, about our, our opening page here and these six words is each one of them, each of the three main components, doctor, patient, staff, have these three um, descriptives after them. But the descriptives can all be interchanged with the focus group. And we do that within our marketing, depending upon who we're talking to. For example, if I'm talking to a doctor and, you know, and any doctor wants to talk to me about what they're about to go through at the end, Dave, and I'll have contact information for you. But when we're talking to the doc, we talk about that they are doctors supported. So we support you as the doc, that the staff, your office manager, office leader, sort of the CEO of your office, and therefore they're driving it for you and that the patient's all of us are focused on the patient. So we interchange these six words, really depending upon who we're talking to, where the where the focus is, if you will. And we've gotten uh, that ability to switch these words around and drive the meaning to whomever we're talking to has been an absolute home run for us. People have gravitated to it. Our marketing team has loved it. And so it's really a, a, a big part of our core target is that marketing component. So you mentioned a little bit with the corporates, obviously there's, you know, there's big corporates here with national physical therapy chains, and then there's regional or other players like us and like you guys that are, so we're kind of like a PT owner group. You know, you guys are obviously backed by you and uh, a dentist and a practice owner in your own right. So if a dentist is listening, if a dental practice owner is listening, even if it's a, a physical therapy practice owner that is kind of trying to understand your your journey through the, the dentistry niche, why would a practice owner want to potentially partner with you guys or be acquired by you and continue to work and be in relation with you guys as opposed to one of the national dental corporates, like you mentioned Aspen and Heartland and, and some of these others? I mean, that's essentially what makes us different. Well, first of all, we're local. So we haven't gone to, you know, certainly to a national level, let alone a multi-state. So for those in the Northeast Ohio, Cleveland market, we're staying local. I talked about the boots on the ground. What you don't know if you're about to sell to a large corporate group is management says they're only a phone call away, but you know they don't pick up right away. They don't return text messages and emails, and it just seems to be take forever to uh, to have movement. And your team are supposed to you know contact HR for a problem, but they still come to you. So we really work hard to be present in the practices on a regular basis, so that those questions are taken away from the doc. That's one. Two, by being an owner. Whether it's, like I said, an equity play, and that's what we do. We require our doctors to roll some of their equity from the purchase price back into the company. Um, they they get the top-level shares, though. So it's not like they're getting the bottom of the barrel. And if, if the company doesn't achieve, they're not going to get paid. They're actually the first ones to get paid out. And so when you when you 
partner sell your practice to Heartland, you get nothing. They have some little cutesy thing where you can be a, get a component of hygiene or something like that, but that's it. And in fact, when Heartland recapped a number of years ago, they recapped all of the shares except for the shares held by the dentists. Our company makes sure, again, the doctors are our focus. So when we do a recap down the road, our doctors are the ones who are going to reap the benefits of that. And that leads into, listen, if you roll 20%, up to 49% of your purchase price, you get multiple bites of the apple. Buy a practice for for X, you're going to get X, but you're going to get X plus Y, which could be equal to the first X. It could be a half of the first X. It's still going to be a significant, significantly larger amount than you would have gotten if you had just sold to someone else. Now, that comes somewhat at at a cost because we want you involved in the day-to-day operations. And that's another thing that separates us. These large groups tell you, oh, doc, once you sell that, don't worry, just practice clinical dentistry. It's all you have to do. That's a complete lie. Your teams still look at you. They still come to you. You're still researching the operations manual from the new company for your team. You can't disengage 100% like they tell you. It's a well-timed, well-tuned sales job is what you're getting. One of our, well, we talk about core values, I'm sure, David, in a minute, but one of our core values is transparency. I've done it all. I was a resident. I was an associate. I was a partner in a practice. I started my own pretty much from the ground up. I had associates. I spoke to a large corporate group, and here I've started a partnership group. So I've kind of got this bag of tricks of experience in my back pocket, and we don't, we don't lie to you. Listen, this is the way it's going to be. One of the tough things right away, rip the Band-Aid off. You're getting new software. We have a certain package that we want everybody on, and there's good reasons and bad reasons. We tell them right away, that's going to happen. You can't stop it. You know, I tell patients, all our employees all the time that are joining us, there's going to be change. Doctor, there's going to be change. You know, these other groups say, oh, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to change. No, everything changes. But collaboratively, another core value, we can make this change less of a hill to climb. We can make it smooth. We can choose not to make that change. Because we find out that what you're doing is best practice. I think all of these things encompass what makes us different. And it starts with, David, our core values that we've talked about before. So we'll go back in a little bit deeper into the core values. But I love the transparency part because you're also... You're also setting and managing their expectations up front. You're not telling them... You know, you're not overselling just to get the transaction completed. And then then the dentist is like, oh, here's what it is actually... You like, now I've been kind of misled or something like that. So it sounds like of the acquisitions that you've done, you you know, you make these partnerships with these owners and on the backside it sounds like they would be significantly less likely to have a regret or some remorse where right. they made the wrong decision. It sounds like you're you're front loading those conversations before they make the decision to mm-hmm. partner and be acquired and you're letting them know like okay, for example, we actually will be changing your medical record. Now you'll give them a timeline and, and it's going to take weeks to months with training and all that integrating new software and scheduling and, and all that. But at least you're telling them up front, like, here's what will change the name. You'll probably talk to them up front, like the name may or may not change. We looked at your website. I showed the screen share and they have the dental arts component maybe added to their. Mm-hmm. And I know some of your acquisitions either still have the original name and, and some have you know transitioned over. Right. So all those things you're telling them up front, which is super valuable because uh, they know what to expect. They know what to go into. So you mentioned uh, core values. So you mentioned transparency, and then you mentioned what was the second collaboration? Collaboration, right? Yeah, if I had to rank them, those are one and two, right? It's almost easy, and it's interesting. Recently, I was with my team, and we're actually talking about we revisit our core values every year. 
Are they who we are? Are we being transparent with our core values? And there's been some, again, collaboration. I'm actually sitting down with our doctors and our office managers, and we're talking about these core values. I use them all the time to make the simple decisions as well as the more difficult ones, including hiring and firing people. Do they fit in? Our other two core values, ownership mindset and quiet confidence. Those are the four that we currently have. And I say currently because it's important to review your core values on a continual basis. Times change. People change. It's not that those core values still aren't in you. And I believe they should come from the heart and the soul. But can you define them a little differently? And I'll tell you, as we went through this exercise recently, talking about our core values, you know, there's synonyms to all of them. Quiet confidence and ownership mindset don't necessarily roll off the tongue. <laughs> um, and so one of my things was, that's fine. I'm okay with, with changing them. I don't think the context of the term will change, but the term may change. And we are working on it collaboratively. I think collaborative, collaboration and transparency are going to remain. They're not going anywhere. We all love them. Uh, they're the first two things we always talk about. The other two, we may take some time and work with our teams to find out if there's something else that defines us as an organization. Now that we're over five years old, now that we have nine practices heading towards our 10th, what has changed? And it's important that when you have core values, that not only do you talk the talk and walk the walk, but it's that you go to the depth of talking the talk and walking the walk with them to your team. Collaboration, transparency. Hey guys, I'm feeling at these. What do you think? And it it creates conversation that at first you would think a dental team that, you know, seeing patients every day, you know, four or five days a week, it takes off into all of a sudden an hour plus has gone by. And it brings the team closer together. That's what I've noticed. So a lot is packed into the term core values. And so the, the quiet confidence <clears throat> is a little bit of um, maybe a combination of, of an owner or a partner who is serious and leading by example. Then you mentioned the owner mindset. So on our previous times speaking, you and I, you had mentioned, uh, you know, if you're, if you're touring a location or if you're at a location, You'll bend over and pick up a a paper clip or a little piece of right. paper, little piece of paper or, some, or something something that's on the ground. You'll bend over, you pick that up, and you throw that away. Those little things that those are the things that you're looking to translate uh, with not just your actions, your team's actions, your leadership, right. and with that practice owner. The and also you know then it kind of blends into the staff, and that's that's kind of the culture you're looking you're looking to um, develop and, and maintain over time. Right. Ownership mindset. It's uh, you're walking down the hall and you see a paperclip. What do you do when you see it on the floor? You pick it up, right? That's that defines it. Now, the other side of that too is it wraps ownership mindset and quiet confidence kind of roll into um, my team. I think when this is all said and done, I'm probably going to get like a giant paperclip that they're going to give me to post on the wall because I <laughs> use the term paperclip is my thing, right? You're out of paperclip, right? What is the protocol for ordering new paperclips? Oh my God, we need them instantly. And the normal protocol isn't working today for whatever reason. You, as an employee, understand it is important because that patient needs that paper clip today. You have the quiet confidence to know that you're going to solve the problem for the patient that's in front of you right then. Go find the paper clip, get it done, make the patient happy. Right? So that's a combination of the confidence to get it done. And the mindset of an owner to, to solve the problem for who is most important in front of you, patient. Now, after that, we sit down. 
Um, I don't know in the physical therapy world if you guys ever did more morbidity, mortality um, uh, uh, classes, but we used to do that in residency, right? The, mm, they died. How and why? What could we have done better? Is it something we couldn't have helped? It was God's will or was there, was there a path that could have been taken that wasn't tried? Same thing. We talk about it. Okay, great job, you know, employee X for, for solving the problem. I'm so happy you got Mrs. Smith out the door and she's happy. Great. Let's look at how you solve that problem. Is it better than the way it would have been solved with our normal protocols? If it is, guess what? We have a new policy. If it's something that wasn't in our um, operations manual, that wasn't defined to you, it's now in there. If we would have preferred you do it a different way, there's no reprimand here. There's an opportunity to educate so that this doesn't happen again. Here's how we want you to solve that problem in the future. And so regardless of the outcome, we want our employees to have the autonomy, to have the quiet confidence, to have that ownership mindset, to know that they can solve a problem without repercussions, as long as ultimately the patient is the happiest person in the room. Got it. So now let's jump over to speaking to these practice owners about the financial side. So physical therapists, dentists uh, may or may not have, you know, like minimal background in terms of finances and understanding like the uh, key performance indicators and the metrics, the real metrics that will uh, operate a practice and help a practice and and a business operate and continue to serve the community. So um, let's talk about EBITDA. It's basically the uh, the free cash flow of the practice after ad backs, and we can get into all that. So when you are speaking with a potential dentist that's looking to transition and sell, partner with you guys, continue to work, but like you said, roll some of their equity back into your practice empire, Dental Arts. How do those conversations go? Is there a learning a learning curve for some of these individuals that don't understand how practices are valued? How do you, you know, obviously you're, you're, speaking with many different dental owners, right? So some might be very business savvy and then some may not be. There's the old school of think, which was there were several ways to value a practice, um, you know, as for as long as I can remember. And only more recently, kind of sort of the rest of the, the business world caught up to dentistry in that EBITDA has become the the benchmark that we all want to see the bigger number. 20% EBITDA margin is kind of considered the, again, the benchmark where we expect to see a practice at. If it's bigger than that, then it's fantastic. In order to drive that number up, you as a, as a doctor owner, we talk about ad backs. Um, not many people know what ad backs are, right? Uh, so we're, we've got a whole new language for them. In fact, there are dental brokers like real estate brokers out there. And I caution anybody who is about to engage with them, be careful. Some of them are old school. doesn't mean they haven't done a great job, but you need to be able to talk the modern day talk. And if your current broker is not able to live in that world, I suggest you find somebody different because everybody now is valuating the practices this way. When we talk about ad backs, we've all done it. You go to Sam's Club to buy toilet paper and paper towels for your office, and you also buy for your home. We don't care what you report on your federal tax return. Although we do use your tax return to verify that, you know, what you said you did, you did. We want to know every penny that you rolled through that practice for personal gain and, if you will, to avoid paying tax on it. That helps you because ultimately that increases either doctor comp or and or it increases increases the free flowing cash at the end. And we are buying a practice based on a multiple of free flowing cash. 
We want your free-flowing cash. If you are a million-dollar dental practice, 20%, you're kicking off $200,000 a year. That's what I'm buying. I know it cost me $800,000 to run the practice. I want that two hundred. I take that two hundred, and it gets divided up into paying the people at the corporate level. And then whatever's left over, I wind up using to acquire the next practice. And then with that, we can choose to not acquire practice. We can pass out bonuses. We can reinvest in capital. There's a lot of things we can do. But I need that number to be, you need that number to be as big as it can be. And then the multiples are somewhat standardized based on the size of your practice. But if I can give you four times 200, I can give you 800. But if you're at 250, I can give you a million. So you've got to help us by getting all of your personal items packaged into, like I said, Dr. Comp, or just take it out and let it flow to the bottom line of free flowing cash or EBITDA. So I want to come back really quick to some of the ad backs and some of the items that just some examples for the practice owners. You mentioned broker. I, I forgot to mention on the top of the show. Thank you very much to Chris Vandeford, one of your uh, brokers that you know. He was on the, the podcast. Best. He's the best. He recommended you. So Chris, thank you very much for the introduction to get uh, Dr. Todd on. And Will Butler, thank you very much, who was also on my show months ago, who recommended Chris Vandeford. So if it weren't for Will Butler, we wouldn't have Chris Vandeford and then we wouldn't have Dr. Todd on the, the show right now. So we truly appreciate both of you guys. I just wanted to mention that. Now, you mentioned a few of the ad backs. So for example, uh, if you're a physical therapy practice owner, if you're a dental owner, you probably understand this. But as Dr. Todd mentioned, you might have some personal expenses on the books to minimize your tax burden at the end of the year. So instead of paying tax on the 200 grand, right? Maybe you're right. only declaring 15 grand per year as uh, as your net profit. And then therefore your tax bill, you're being taxed on 15 grand. So obviously it's gonna be a very small tax bill. So some of the things that Dr. Todd and I have seen when we speak to practice owners, like you mentioned, uh, things that they're not necessarily reporting or, or or mentioning, but these practice owners will have things like multiple family cars on the business books, all of the gym memberships for all of their family members on the business books. Um, what else? The cell phones, all the cell phones, cell phones uh, gas in your car, supplies from, you know, if you own the building, you're, and depending on how the structure is, but you're running all your landscaping through there, you're running all your house goods and supplies, your personal computer, anything that you can think of that you can use at home that's also located in your office, many doctors run through. Heck, there's doctors that run their grocery through their office. I mean, to me, that's, that's probably pushing the envelope a little too far, but we need to know what they are, and it adds value to your practice. We're not going to tell anybody. We It's all internal. We sign non-disclosures, but it's really there to help you. So the bigger we can get that number legitimately, the better. I've seen, you know, nannies on the payroll. You know, they're listed as their their vacation, their vacations to Hawaii or Europe, and you know, traveling travels another big one, right? Yeah, you you know, wow, doc, you go to a lot of continuing education classes. You know, (laughs) they all happen to be in Hawaii. Yeah, they all happen to be. Yes, yeah, wow, that's impressive. (laughs) So as kind of things. So as an owner listening, right? So if you're declaring, let's just say you're doing a million a year in revenue. So we'll take that hypothetical example. You're doing a million a year in uh, top line revenue. You're declaring something low, like 15, 20 grand in net profit at the end of the year. We, Todd and I, with how we're speaking with practice owners in order to value their practice, in order to come up with this like adjusted EBITDA number, we're taking those ad backs, meaning we want to find the unencumbered free cash flow of the practice. Meaning if we acquired your practice today, and then 
what is the free cash flow in six months, in 12 months, without those expenses, without those additional trips to Hawaii, without your family's cell phone plans and gym memberships and you know private country club memberships and all these other things. If you take those off the business books, now all of a sudden, the P&L, the profit and loss statement, will show more cash flow that then Dr. Todd mentioned, they'll use that cash flow to either bonus the partners, but you know, or take some, you know, bonus, still bonus some of the partners, some of the owners, however that's agreed upon, mm-hmm. and also roll some of that equity into future acquisitions and continue to grow the Topco, the holding company, that the parent company, right? right? And the, and a lot of people assume that you you're going to take my profit and that's how you get rich, and that's not how we get rich. We we take that profit and it's like any other. It's like a pharmaceutical company. We dive that money back into the research and development, right? We dive that money back into more acquisitions. We realize that the, and this is why I want partner docs. This is why I want them to invest. Teaching them that what you get from us in the form of a check up front is great. May have done a great job of running your practice. We got a great EBITDA number. You got a great multiple from us. But I can show you where I can take 20 to 49% of that money. And I can give you three bites of the apple. So instead of paying you a million for your practice within the next three to four years, I can give you a total of 1.5 million. That's a significant jump than what you would have gotten. And that all stems from all offices pushing hard to control costs, increase productivity, and as an organization have the largest EBITDA we can have at the practice level so that we can then sell someday to a partner and I say partner because you're not just going to sell it outright to another company. That's not our plan, but to another partner who will pay a larger multiple for this larger dollar amount. And that turns into more money into your pocket as a shareholder. So I spent a lot of time, David, in the early sessions with these doctors explaining this to them. First thing I put, you know, my, I walk into an office and you, know, you touch it, you feel it, you smell it. Will it fit our standard? Important for us. And then if it does, okay, now let's talk about what this looks like, Doc. Before I go anywhere, I want you to understand where you're going to benefit by being a partner with me. In terms of the culture, I know we previously talked about culture. I want to touch on that really quick. So for us, when we're looking at, uh, we're speaking with practice owners, we're trying to look at their, we're trying to understand their culture. What are some touch points that you guys use other than physically going in and meeting the, the team, right? Because that might be later in the process. Some of the owners that we've met with, they made, we do site visits in the very beginning where they want us to come when the office is closed. So we physically see the office, but we actually don't, they don't want the staff to think that, oh, the owner is, you know, showing this place off to uh, other people that might buy it and that might create waves and, you know, insecurities. And there, there's, a, there's pros and cons there. Of course, you can discuss that for sure. Eventually, someone like us and you, eventually you want to go in there and meet the team. But in terms of assessing a potential practices culture? Are you looking at online Google reviews? Are you looking, you know, at health grades and things like that? Are you looking at any other patient surveys? Like how do you assess on the front end, even a culture fit, like where you should just move on and maybe that practice is not even the right fit or how much digging or in-person, maybe do seeker callers, maybe do seeker shopper type things with your team. How do you assess culture to make sure on the front end that it's the right fit for your group as this clinic may or may not be a potential for a partnership or an acquisition? Uh, The first thing is staff retention. 
right? Tells you if someone's been, if, if the majority of the staff have been with the doctor for a significant amount of time, well, years, decades, in some cases, that's important. That tells you that the doctor and the team get along very, very well. Patient retention is another thing we can look at. Although it's a, not everybody can, can stat it. Not all the software systems can give you all the exact data. So then more recently turned to Google reviews to see how many they have when was the most recent. You know, you throw out some of the extremes because they're, you know, you're never going to have the perfect five star, but obviously the closer to that, the better. Another thing I leverage is specialists in the area. So I tend to know a lot of them. And so the specialists in our area rely 100% on direct referrals from the GPs and we're, we're purchasing general dental practices. So I reach out to some, a couple of the specialists I'll know in an area and just ask them their opinion and what they, what they've seen because they get to see a lot of the work done by the dentist come through their office. They see the reasons why they're being referred. And that'll tell you a lot how ethical they are, what kind of culture, what kind of practitioner that doctor is. So that's part of my early stage due diligence. One other thing I touched on the staff, when we do partner with somebody, we ask the doctor. He or she has to tell his team well in advance. Our worst acquisitions to date have been the ones where the doctor has told the team in the 11th hour of the transaction, you know, a week before, a day before, the day of. Mm. And those are the ones where the team is, the tra- our transparency goes away because all of a sudden we're the new guys that no one knew was coming. They've lost faith in the doctor. And we want to meet the team 90, 120 days before the transaction is complete. We want to show them who we are. We want them to see our, you know, it, it comes down to benefits. Of course, they all want to know what our benefits package looks like compared to what they have. We, in almost all the cases, our benefits are are better. Um, and we ask them to stay for a year. And it comes from me. So give us a year. Everybody's afraid of this great evil of these large corporate dental groups. Give us a year to demonstrate that we are not those people. And so, again, so it goes a, to our... A, a, a signed employment contract for a year or how, like what specifically? Well, no, unfortunately it's an at will state for much of the dental uh, community, much of the dental positions, uh, a dentist, the ones that we can sign a contract to, but then there's also a 90, 120, 180 day out depending. So we try to, it's, it's difficult to hold those employees to that. Now we do have them sign some things, but it certainly, it, they can leave. Um, so we have to, we have to make them want to stay. So it's by asking for a year, by showing them who we are, demonstrating a great you know package, and then it's it's also what we do after the transaction has happened with the owner doc. What are we doing? Are we in their face? Are we teaching them? Are we? We've told them we're going to do X, Y, and Z. I can think of our most recent acquisition. The doctor is still using paper charts, uh, and their software system is antiquated. This team, when they found out we were going chartless. And putting in new software, they were hugging us. They couldn't wait. Hey, and now great. we are two weeks. We are two weeks post transaction. And like, when are we? What's the dates? Schedule the dates. We'll cancel the patient. We need the install of the new software. They want. They want go time. Um, and we can't deliver it fast. Now, of course, as you know, all that stuff. No matter how early you get started on something, it just takes time. But you know, within six weeks, we'll have it done. Um, so it's important to be upfront again transparency upfront with the teams um, because they've heard so much negative about this particular component of dentistry this uh, corporate side so i've heard and i've spoken with many different practice owners we've had some on the on the podcast and and others externally that i've spoken with 
that have said the pros and cons of when to tell their team. So to a question that might be in the heads of practice owners that are listening, is there, when you say you would love to, for the owner to communicate this potential transition 90 to 100 days before the close. So as an owner listening, though, they might want to ask you something like, what if they tell their staff 90 to 100 days before this potential closing date that you have all agreed on, but then something happens where you find something with the financials and you have to change your offer or or something happens where there's more risk in the potential transaction. So are you are you saying the 90 to 100 120 day window at that point I'm assuming you would have had at least some LOI or term sheet term sheet signed if not something more contractual or or what would lock right. in you the potential buyer to not run away and then that practice owner having to deal with the aftermath of hey I told my staff that Empire Dental Arts they were going to acquire us and partner with us and now something happened and now it's not happening. So then they have to deal with the like unsteady ship of of that. That's a great question. Right. And so what we've done, you know, we've gained some experience now. So we understand where we're headed. And so what we tell the doc is once we're inside the letter of intent, once it's been accepted, they have to tell the staff, they don't necessarily have to tell them it's us. They just have to say, I'm in an agreement where for the next, in the next three to four months, I'm going to be transitioning to practice to a new ownership group. You're going to get to meet them very shortly. So we go another 30 days or so, and then we take them out to dinner and we, you know, engage them on a personal level so that they see that we are local, we are human, we have families. So you're, uh, you're taking then, the you're taking the whole team out, not just the owner. Yep. That's correct. Got it. I love That's it. That's correct. Great. Um, breaking bread with people is the easiest way. Again, you start talking about families. You don't talk about work. We talk about our history. We tell them stories of some of the funny things that have happened through this process. We tell them about some of the bad things that have happened. That it, we gain their trust. By being, by just being us is really what it comes down to. So yes, there is the risk that the deal falls apart, but the doctor has to let them know his or her intention. And one of our other key components to acquisitions is we don't buy from the doctor and they get to leave the day after the sale. Yeah, they're, they're We want safe. our doctors, remember I said, we want them to stay on. I tell every doctor that is going to partner with us now now you're partnering with us, but I expect you to still run your practice full-time as is for at least a year with me. Meaning, I'm not finding you an associate. Now, some doctor, the current acquisition, he wants to slow down the next year. Okay. For the next year, he knows I'm full-time. It might be a year and a half because we search and we search for good quality doctors. We haven't even put up an ad yet. We haven't even started the feelers for this practice. We have too much to do on the front end to worry about who we're transitioning else into that. You've got so much change for the staff right now. And again, it's not a ton. I mean, they want software. That's a big hurdle. Once we get past that and get that flowing, okay, now it's time to look for a good doc. And then when you start to interview, we bring in the owner partner doc to interview with us because we want them to start to transition their patients. Go back to the original part of our discussion today about relationships. We want the associate to fall into our culture and to want to forge the relationship, to want to be a part of the community. Once we find that marriage, then we start to slow down the owner doc, and he or she goes from four days to three days to two days over a period of time. And then the new doc starts to go from, you know, is a full-time doc practicing side-by-side a couple of days a week down to maybe only one day a week with, with the new doctor. We have found that when we've got that scenario, that transition has been the smoothest. The staff stays they're happy. The patients stay. The doctors become happier. 
Um, uh, and our couple examples that we've done that with, the retired doc is now fully retired. And the associate doc is now a partner. Couldn't, it couldn't have worked out any better. Um, still, there's always some staff turnover. You do have some people who have been with a doc for 35 years, and they too want to retire. We just ask them to give us a big runway. I have a hygienist and an assistant now from an acquisition last year. One said, told us at the beginning of the year, the end of this year, she was retiring. The one told us midsummer, next summer she's retiring. We couldn't have asked for a better arrangement. They love us, but there's it's time for the next stage of their life. We get it. But giving us that runway helps everybody. So, so you mentioned a few examples without mentioning the the acquisition, the practice name, but you mentioned you had a few challenges or issues of when that part, that practice owner didn't tell their staff until the close, right? So what are mm-hmm. what are some things around there? Did you just have more staff turnover because they were surprised, oh. they were caught off guard? Yeah. Like what what happened? What was the emotional component yeah, of it? What, they go through, what, what happened there? Yeah, that team goes through just a, a, a huge amount of emotions, right? They, they're angry. They're angry at us. They're angry at uh, the doctor. And in, in the two cases, we had two practices this way. One, the staff was, livid with the selling doctor a couple of employees they had a, a profit sharing plan worst traditional 401k so a match right that a couple of employees were so upset they wrote a letter to the doctor telling him what a pos that he was for selling how dare he re- ruin their retirement by selling the practice and and then the new company doesn't have a profit sharing plan you know age weighted yada 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 they, they were getting a significant chunk every year but this doctor is entitled at some point to also retire. Um, and the other scenario, the doc told everybody, and they were mad at us. They never even got to know us. They, they, who are you guys? And how dare you come in here? And you're changing this and you're changing that. And really, it wasn't, it was, it was software changes, right? It was, um, looking for an associate. So yeah, we're changing the name on the sign because your doctor is retiring. <laughs> you know, their name can't be on the marquee anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to make that change. Don't be mad at us. And that was, that's when we started to learn. And ironically, those two events happened, you know, in a very short period of time. So we weren't able to correct the one before the other one. And we really expected the second one to not be the way the first one was. And so now you're signing on with us, you're rolling capital in with us. You're going to stay on full time. We want your staff. And after a year or so, with a year's notice, we can start to make these changes together. Um, and again, our what we've demonstrated is those are not only practices that maintain what we purchased them, they've actually grown, which is what everybody wants to see anyhow. It's an organic growth with this transition model. So in, in, Whereas in some other, of these, our competitors... Go ahead. Go ahead. So in, in some of these examples where the two examples of the, pra- the team members... Was it more that they were just caught off guard? They were surprised mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as opposed to, I mean, if you, now that you've learned from that and now you guys realize like, okay, like I'm assuming that now you're saying the 90 to 120 day window up front, is that a direct response to because the, how the other two went and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, we yeah, really absolutely. need to, we really yeah. need to communicate and just speak with the team, let them understand where you guys are coming from, mm-hmm. have communication and dialogue let them know that there, you know, there's a, this transition now, now the transition is going to take several months in terms of putting it in their heads as like, this is happening as opposed to the, the shock of that your deal closes for those two acquisitions. And that Dennis owner that, that Dennis says, okay, now Dr. Todd and, and, you know, 
this is now owned by Dr. Todd and Empire Dental Arts and not my name anymore. And it's just like, it's like a ton of news mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a, a ton of change to digest all at once. Is that part of it? Yeah. It's just, it, the softer landing is so much easier for people. Uh, they get to ask a lot of questions. You know, we give, you give them a, a week or two to digest what's happening. And then we meet with them and we, then we, we just, we go through our core values discussions. We don't, and you know, show them our employee handbook and then come back a couple of weeks later and say, okay, write down all your questions. Let's go through all of these together. Um, and let's bring in our, you know, marketing person. Let's bring in our HR person. Let's bring in our finance person. So that everybody, you, you have all the resources here with you today. And so we can answer questions and make you feel as comfortable as we can. Um, we don't want the patient base to see this, this change as much as, you know, it will over time. The letter, the transition letters that go out that say the name may change over time. But, you know, I, treating doctor, is still going to be here. I'm not retiring fully yet. Just want you to know. But it also, it's nice for the patients to know, oh, Dr. So-and-so is going to retire in the next two to three years, but they're going to bring in, he or she is bringing in a new associate. I'm going to get to meet that person. But, you know, original doctor's still here. It just, it feels much better to the patients uh, as well as the employees. And again, I've got, now I've got experience demonstrating how well, wonderfully it can work. That's great. And then it kind of goes back to my original impression of your website, which I think maybe you and I spoke on the phone first, or maybe I saw your website when Chris Vandefort first introduced us. So I, I probably looked at the website first before you and I ever spoke verbally. Mm-hmm. And if a team member, let's say if you had, you were in that 90 to 120 day window, that team, eventually that dentist, that practice owner, eventually is going to tell the team your name and, and Empire Dental Arts and all that. And then let's they, let's say they go on Google, they go on, on the internet, they look you guys up and they're like, let's see who these guys are. And, you yeah. know, let's see if this is going to be good or what. They pull up right. their website and then it goes back to the headline that I mentioned on, on the front of right. the episode, which is yep. within the first couple big bolded words, it has staff in there. So if a staff member is seeing that, okay. The headline again, doctor supported, patient driven, staff focused. And you said those words could be interchangeable. So the fact that it says staff focused or, or staff supported so large in bold font, I think goes back to your intention, the culture, your, your core values. You're keeping the provider, the doctor, the staff and the patient in the forefront. You're not mentioning things like, uh, you know, financial growth or you know corporate anything you know it, it's it's, no. it's on the the people yeah exactly because that's what it is we are in people's personal space right i'm in your grill like i'm in there <laughs> you have yep. to trust me right so the people who are running the company they have to be trusted as well i challenge when i'm meeting teams for the first time i challenge them check out our website ask around I have now, after five and a half years and number of acquisitions, I honestly don't have the quiet confidence. I have a confidence to tell you, our company has an excellent reputation. You will find one or two that had a bad experience with us. It happens. The more employees you get, the you know, it's I, my teams are sick and tired of hearing it. The 80-15-5 rule. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. 80% of people take 5% of your energy to to make happy to please. 15% take 15% and there's 5% that take 80% of your energy. If you could eliminate that 5% from your daily life, your world is easy because that 15% really isn't that hard, right? So the bigger we get, we're going to have an element of 5%. And we've had some employees that just didn't fit with our culture. 
that's okay. We don't like it. We don't like turnover. We don't, we don't go in and blow everything up. We don't want that. We want them to stay, but it's going to happen. It adds stress to us when they leave. Not just them feeling stressful because they don't want to be there. It adds stress for us to, to trying to, to fill the seat. But sure. I challenge them to go out and, and uh, investigate our reputation and who we are. Talk to the reps. Talk to the specialists who know me. Talk to, you know, here's the number of all of our doctors and all of our employees. Please, you can call any one of them. I, I'll give you the entire list because I'm confident that we're doing it. We're doing it right. And when we make a mistake, we fix it. You know, we're not above that either. It's uh, been a fun ride, David. So I look forward to um, more practice acquisitions. I look forward to getting the word out on what I'm doing um, in hopes that if, if, if you're not in Northeast Ohio, um, you can find another group similar to mine because I'm not the only one out there. Uh, that uh, and that's who maybe you should partner with happy to talk to anybody about it absolutely i think that's a great place to pause so check out empiredentalarts.com and uh dr todd if someone wanted to reach out to you directly whether it's a healthcare provider even if it's a physical therapy practice owner if they wanted to reach out to kind of hear more about your situation and, and your goals and your vision or especially if it's a dentist or a, a dentist practice owner What's the best place other than the website, EmpireDentalArts.com? Right. Maybe it's on LinkedIn or any other place to connect with you sure. further? Certainly. Uh, message me on LinkedIn and also my cell phone, 216-410-1331. Shoot me a quick message. Leave me a voicemail. It's going to be an unidentified number, so I'm not going to answer it. I'll let it roll the voicemail. Sometimes texting first is uh, easier so we can communicate. But I'd be happy to spend some time with anybody in any of uh, our either of our professions that talk about the pathways to uh, transition. Excellent. Would love to have you back. This was great. I definitely want to continue the conversation and best of luck to you and your team with continued growth and expansion in the right way, serving communities, serving patients, having a great culture and a great staff. Uh, wish you the best of luck, Todd. And I look forward to following your progress. Yeah, thanks, David. I appreciate the time today. Thank you. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.